This is Legacy Battle. Make sure you hit like and subscribe, whatever you're watching it on. I'm Michael Adams, creator of Legacy Battle. My co-host tonight from the Greater Eye Battle Zone, Brian King. We're joined by Leonard Marshall. He's a two-time pro bowler, two-time second team all-pro, two-time Super Bowl winner, and a member of the New York Giants Ring of Honor. Leonard, thank you so much for coming on. Good afternoon, fellas. How y'all doing? Awesome. Awesome. It was great right. wrap to the football season, wasn't it? Yes, great wrap. Great wrap. Glad to see the uh, glad to see the uh, the season come to an end. Awesome. Well, we're gonna have an interview tonight, and we're gonna start with Brian. All right. All right. So, Leonard, I I understand that your father initially was not really supportive of you playing football, but eventually you won him over. Uh, that being said, who who was it that influenced you to play football in the very beginning? Um, you know, football kind of stumbled in my lap, Brian, to be honest with you. I mean, I, I was a basketball player as a kid, you know, um, uh, one of the things I loved growing up where I grew up in rural Louisiana was, um, the fact that we could actually go out and really be kids and, and do things that kids love to do. You know, we didn't have the distraction of computers and technology and social media, and all the other crap that kids get into these days. We just had, you know, the outdoors and um, being that I lived in sportsman paradise, uh, Louisiana, that flies, farts, swims, or mates, we hunted. So uh, <laughs> yeah. as a kid, I was a hunter and uh, did everything else that other boys did. And I took a real good liking to basketball and uh, was pretty good at it. Um, I'd say from between my ages of like eight and 12 years old. I think as I, as I grew up and grew into a teenager, um, the game of basketball became something more secondary and the game of football became something more intriguing because I could actually go out and take out my frustrations on other kids and <laughs> really knock the living crap out of them and have a good time doing it. So. Uh, I kind of took a real good liking to football in my my teen years. So, some, something I have to ask, and it's not really football related, but I, I've sure. kind of always wanted to know this: is during your career, you were a frequent guest on the Howard Stern show. How did yes. that come about? <laughs> Howard and I got to be friends, guys. After the after the first Super Bowl, I um, I end up hiring a guy as a literary agent. They helped me market a book project that I was doing with a writer from the Giants, a beat writer by the name of Dave Klein. And we got into doing this book, and I'd never done something like this. It's a first-time project. I had no idea what I was doing uh, and getting into, but I just thought it would be cool to, to put something out there that I could look back on 20, 30, 40 years down the road and maybe get a laugh or two about it. Well, exactly what I envisioned it to be is exactly what it became because probably one of the one of the first projects I did that didn't make sense. But yes, I was able to make sense of it. And part of that was hooking up with Michael Levine um, and, and the Howard Stern Show. Uh, Michael worked for an organization at the time that was a big um, uh, marketing service for athletes and entertainers. And it became a group called CAA. And CAA became like this big conglomerate now that represents a lot of Hollywood likes and, and athletes and things of that nature. So that's how I kind of met Howard. 
Well, going back to the uh, college days, uh, it, it's been said that uh, Coach Bear Bryant of Alabama attempted to recruit you to the Crimson Tide, uh, but ultimately you chose the LSU Tigers. Uh, what was the reasoning for that decision? I think I chose LSU because it was my home state, uh, home state university. Um, um, the right people got to my family. Um, and it was a bunch of guys that actually graduated from LSU that were doctors, lawyers, and 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 different professionals in the area. Um, they did some things for my family that, you know, uh, most others wouldn't. Um, right. uh, Bear Bryant got out recruited by uh, my first love was University of Oklahoma. I really wanted to play play for Barry Switzer. And, mm-hmm. uh, and so when Lucius Selman decided to recruit me uh, and happened to be the brother of Leroy Selman, who I admired as a player in the NFL, um, I really uh, uh, was taken taken aback. I actually signed a big eight letter of intent to go to, to Oklahoma. But oh, wow. yet at the end of this deal, uh, at the end of the journey, um, I, I switched up and I just, you know, I made a decision to stay home and play for the Tigers and, and play for Charlie McClendon. I, you know, I don't regret any bit of it. Uh, if anything, I, 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 I wish that um, we'd have had more success at LSU, but, you know, my, my, the departing team I had in 1982 ended up beating Alabama and was the last team to beat Bear Bryant before he died. Um, um, so I guess, you know, it was a, a, a fitting end of the relationship between me and Coach Bryant, but um, it was the beginning of the next level of my life as a professional athlete. So you're drafted by the New York Giants, 37th overall. Eventually, you're yes. playing with guys like Lawrence Taylor, Carl Banks, Pepper Johnson, just to name a couple of them. How did those guys around you affect how you played, and where do you rank that guy, your guys' defense, like on the list of all-time great defenses? Oh, it was great to play with all those guys. I think of all of them, probably one of the most underrated athletes of the group was Carl Banks. I thought Carl was a guy who played well within a system of things and just was a tremendous player for us. He did some things in space that Lawrence couldn't do, and he did some things on the line of scrimmage that most linebackers weren't able to, to really do and and be able to compete while doing it. Uh, so I had a lot of love for Carl Banks as a player and uh, became one of my best friends. His rookie year, I took him under my wing and really got close to him. And, and over the years, we've maintained a hell of a friendship. Um, the rest of those guys were just, you know, they were who they were, and they are who they are. I mean, Harry Carson was an exceptional guy to play with. George Martin was unbelievable uh, as a leader and a brother, a friend, a guy who really took me under his wing and uh, and, and kind of showed me what to do, you know, as he departed. And, I, you know, I kind of really took up, where he left off and, and gave that back to our group. And I, I just felt like the 86 Giants football team, I compare that defense to probably the only group I could think of that, that played a 3-4 defense as good, if not better, than we did, I felt, was the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, um, and, and, and I don't mean the Steelers with, with Joe Green and that group. But I mean the Steelers, the three-four defense Steelers. Um, some of the teams that 
that Bill Cower coached. Um, right, right. I thought did it just as well as we could uh, in terms of playing a 3-4. Now, everybody wants to argue that the Bears were the best defense in football. The Bears were the best defense in football, I felt, in 80, 85 or, or the 86 Super Bowl season because nobody had nobody had any familiarity with the, the, the 46 defense or the flex defense. The last team to run that defense was the New York Jets in 1972 which uh, Buddy Ryan was a part of that defense and, and and a coach on that staff. So it was years that folks had never seen that defense. We played a college 3-4. You knew where we were going to be at when you walked out of the huddle. You know, you're going to see Lawrence Taylor and Leonard Marshall to the right or your left. You're going to see Carl Banks and George Martin over to your right. And you're going to see Jim Burton in the middle. And we're going to line up our seven guys and we're going to beat the living shit out of you for four quarters. <laughs> And if you're able to stay on the field with us and play, then play. But if you're not, don't blame us for it because because we're good. You know, we just we just our front seven was just probably some of the best athletes I ever played football with in my life. And and Bill Parcells kind of knew that. He he knew what he built. He and Bill Belichick and um, and today that's probably the closest group of guys I've ever been with. Um, Ever in my lifetime. I mean, even closer than the guys I played with at LSU. I mean, I you're going to see a new book come out called um, Once a Giant by Gary Myers. That book will be released in the fall of this year. I can honestly tell you, it's one of the best written books I think I've ever read and one of the best projects I've ever been part of because it goes in and it talks about the fraternity that you 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 go through when you win a Super Bowl. And, and the trials and tribulations that players end up going through in the course of their lives that people don't get a chance to see, but yet they they, they become intrigued once they find out um, that most of these guys, even though they're heroes, they're still human. And, right. and, and, and the human side of it really, you know, becomes a, a, a big part of the, the, you know, their lives and, and, and their journey, so... So, the 1990 NFC Championship game, um, that's a game I believe is one of the greatest of all time. Oh, no uh, doubt. You, you, you laid a hit on Joe Montana, which basically ended this time in San Francisco. Uh, what do you remember about that hit? And, and did you realize how devastating that hit really was? Oh, I, I knew it was going to be an impact an impact play. I, I knew it would be an impact play. I, I knew that someone, one of us, had to make that play. Um, in order for us to win that game, um, it was never my intention to really um, put Joe in the hospital or, 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 or do anything of that sort. Um, you know, we knew as a football team that one of us, one of that group, had to have an exceptional day, and it just so happened to be me that day. And, um, and, and that was the one thing about that group is when your number was called, you knew what you had to do and you did what you had to do in the framework of the game uh, to lift your team spirit. And, um, you know, I guess a bad thing for Joe, but a good thing for us. Uh, one, I think the, the mitigating factors involved that maybe the fans didn't know and maybe some of them found out today was that, uh, you know, Jim Burt was one of us. And Jim Burt had joined the 49ers that season. And we lost to them in the Monday night game, 7-3. to three. 
Well, after that game, Jim, uh, uh, Ronnie Lott and Phil Sims got into an argument uh, after that game, and, and that that proceeded to carry on for a number of weeks. So when we lost to them on Monday night, we were ten and zero. We became ten and one. We carried that chip on our shoulder into the playoffs, and and we told those guys in San Francisco, if you guys see us again, I hope you see us on your turf, and the next time you see us. We will get even about the uh, the Ronnie Lott Jim Burt thing because um, that thing became something that should never have happened, and it was all a bunch of you know hearsay stuff. But yet Sims took it personal, and Sims was one of our guys, and we had to protect our guy. Now in the course of the game against the Forty Nineers in the championship, Jim Burt took a shot at Jeff Hostetler and almost broke his leg. Um. So guys talked about that at halftime. Uh, when we came out in the third quarter, we came out with a vengeance that it was an all-out assault on their quarterback. And if we got a chance to do whatever we could to get Mr. Montana out the game, that we would do it in the framework of the game, not a dirty football play, nothing illegal, but yet deliver a blow that, you know, it'll be a shot heard around the world. And that's exactly what happened. So you go on to the Super Bowl against the Buffalo Bills. You have the only sack in that game. And yes. What What can you tell us about the sack and the defensive game, game plan to stop that explosive K-gun offense? Well, guys, I'll be honest with you. When they told us the, the Bills had scored 91 points in two weeks, I thought Bill Belichick was crazy when he walked in the locker room and said to me, we're going to play a 2-5-4 defense against the number one offense in football. And guess what? Thurman Thomas is going to have 180 yards, but we're going to win the game. I looked at him like he was stupid. I said, are you crazy? He said, I'm telling you right now, that's what we're going to do. Said, why, why are you going to play me, Bill? I'm going to play you at left end. I'm going to play Lawrence at right end. We're going to play Eric Howard in the middle. I'm going to play Carl, Pepper, Gary, and, and Dave Durson as linebackers. You're going to play Dave as a linebacker? Yep, I'm going to play Dave as a linebacker. And you watch. We're going to beat these guys. Well, guess what? Exactly the way he drew it up is exactly the way we played it. And um, everything he asked us to do, we did. Uh, we hit receivers when they didn't even have the ball. We wanted them to get up off the ground and wipe grass stains off their ass the whole game. And uh, <laughs> that's exactly what we did. But the uh, the sack in the third quarter, I felt, was a pivotal play because uh, um, it knocked them out of field goal range. And then they turned around and they shank a punt. We go down and we score uh, to go up on them, and uh, the rest is history from there. <laughs> and Leonard, you, you've been outspoken about the use of cannabis as a better solution to athletic pain than opioids. Uh, for someone who may be unfamiliar with this concept, can you explain the benefits of this alternative? Sure. I mean, uh, the use of, 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 of medicinal cannabis and cannabis-related products, a.k.a. CBD, uh, mm -hmm have really helped me in my campaign as I uh, 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 deal with uh, uh, traumatic brain injury. And uh, mm -hmm. like like me, my wife will test the same thing, that uh, if it weren't for some of those products early on, uh, as I began to uh, to take this journey, um, I, would have I would probably have more problems today. Um, one of the things that, that people don't understand that athletes go through uh, from TBI is, you develop um, um, early stage Parkinson's, uh, which gives you uh, restless tremors. Uh, you can have restless tremors, which means 
basically that you're just sitting in a resting state. And next thing you know, your hands are moving, uh, your fingers are moving, uh, your ears are twitching, things of that nature. So um, thanks to CBD and other products like that, I don't have to worry about that as much. Um, not to say that I'm 100% rid ridden of it, but uh, I manage it pretty well. And mm-hmm. um, and like that, some other players have found that uh, to be a solution for them. And uh, between that, hyperbaric chamber treatment, um, which is really getting pure oxygen into the brain. Um, there's a product called Lion Mane, which is a, a brain support. It's a mushroom product, uh, a supplement, actually. And, um, you know, if you use these type of things, man, it can help you. Um, um, and I try to tell guys that. I, I'll share that with guys. So some guys listen. Some guys want it. Some guys are like, uh, I don't want to try anything. I just want to live out the rest of my life. If it be a vegetative state, then so be it. Um, I'm not that guy. I'm too active to be that kind of guy. So Right, right. So you, you mentioned a brain injury in 2013. You're diagnosed with CTE. You're, you were part of the lawsuit against the NFL. What further precautions can the game take to eliminate headshots and protect these players better? I wish I had that answer. I mean, I think that 32, there's 32 teams out there that would – pay me a whole bunch of money if I come up with a solution for that because uh, I think it's going to change the game of football. Unfortunately, you can't take the, the headgear out the game of football. The helmet will always be used. It'll be used to establish leverage. It'll be used to intimidate people. It'll be used to tackle people. It'll be used to make football plays, you know, historical plays. Um, there's some moments in football that, you know, if you think about it, the helmet's not involved geez, what would have happened, you know? So there's no way to take the headgear out the game. The only thing you can do is is limit the amount of blows to the head, limit the amount of, uh, 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 of concussions that can be obtained in the course of a game. I see them doing something to change the game of kickoff and kickoff return, punt and punt return. I see them change the game when it comes to onside kicking uh, to try to, you know, win a game or to salvage a game. I see them, um, um, you know, doing some other things alternatively to uh, slow down the process of TBI. I mean, that thing you saw with DeMar Hamlin this past football season, that's uncommon, okay? That's very uncommon. It's a rarity. Um, And I'm I'm so sorry something like that had to happen to DeMar for them to recognize that this is a serious game. It's a serious event. It's a, money, a game played by by grown men for money, you know. Kids play a kid's a kid's game for king's ransom, for money, and 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 that's the bottom line here. So, you know, those who want to mistake that, then go right ahead. But it's a game played for money. What we did on the field, what I did on the field, made me a hero. What these guys do now is gonna make them a hero someday. But what we do do need to understand is we're all still human. And we're not machines. And because we're human, you know, we can be pinched. And since we can be pinched, we can feel pain. So that's the reality reality of the game, fellas. (laughs) Well, Leonard, last year you were inducted into the New York Giants uh, Ring of Honor. Uh, The great Harry Carson put on your jacket for you. Uh, In past interviews, you explained – a little bit of frustration about the amount of time it took for you to be honored by the franchise. So is all forgiven now, or do you still feel some kind of way about that? 
Well, you know, you know, I just felt like it was, it was, it was a, it was something that was justifiable, and it was long overdue, and I'm happy to put it behind me. Right, right. <laughs> what, what, what was that night like for you? It was a great night. I mean, um, you know, my, I got my family had a chance to, to, to get engaged in that process. My wife had a chance to coordinate everything for our family to come from Louisiana and Texas. Florida, Georgia, and other places to to be part of the ceremony and everything else. It was a great night, you know. Um, I even had my dog on the field with me, uh, which was which was <laughs> which was pretty cool. So, uh, you know, it was it was a good deal, real good deal for the whole family. Well, we want to thank you, Leonard Marshall, so much for coming on. We really appreciate You're it. You're welcome. You're welcome, fellas. Awesome. Thanks for having um, me. Yeah, we remind everybody hit like and subscribe. We'll see you all next time. Thank you for watching. Have a great night.